welcome to Daily Dose. This is episode 12. I'm very excited to do the first podcast of 2021 with Tori Porter, where we talk all about her PR business. So hi, Tori, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Please tell me more about yourself and what you do. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I was just saying before that this is my first podcast, so I'm very excited. It's a very good start to 2021. Um, So I basically uh, have my own, I did call myself a freelance PR, but I now kind of call it an agency, even though it's just me working, Um, just because I have my clients on monthly retainers rather than doing kind of one-off businesses um, and jobs. So um, I've basically been self-employed for a year. And before then, I worked in a couple of PR agencies and I did several internships in events and PR um, but over the year, my interest very much personally got into fitness and well-being. So I sort of brought that into my job. And now I'm doing solely focusing on fitness and well-being. That's awesome. I think fitness and well-being is such a, a big topic. I think this past year and going into 2021, with everyone having to refocus and focus on their mental well-being and physical well-being, especially with gyms being closed now. Um, so do you offer the fitness and well-being a lot online or, or why did you decide to, to, to go into fitness and well-being more? I think it was lucky that I fell into that area before lockdown because I started working for myself in January and then obviously from March mm-hmm. I was at home and everybody was, I mean, especially in the UK, it's been, I mean, pretty tight at the moment it's the third lockdown and so I was lucky that I kind of picked something that was very topical and you know people are still talking about it and I've been lucky with my job being secure since lockdown but I fell into fitness and well-being to start with just because I suffered a lot over throughout my whole life really with um, mental health anxiety and I found that I needed I mean I had insomnia and all sorts of um, issues over the past few years and a focus on fitness and well-being was something that really helped me so prioritizing a good night's sleep um, going to the gym really helps with that Uh, I didn't want to go I went through a phase where everybody was going out all the time and drinking and being hungover and it just wasn't suiting me very well at the time and so I had to kind of find something else that I enjoyed which was going to fitness classes on the weekend and finding friends that enjoyed doing that with me um so yeah yeah I I couldn't agree with you more I feel like after a stressful day the best thing for me is going for an evening walk or planning a hike on the weekend so um, I would say that's my favorite thing about Hong Kong is that that's been really easy during COVID is going for hikes and planning all these activities Um, and I know what you mean I feel like yeah like Hong Kong is such like a party city but now during COVID um, everything's closing at six so I feel like people are definitely being a lot more active and um, you know coming up with other activities because you technically can't go out anymore unless you're doing house parties so I quite like that though because it's literally like everybody now for ages I wanted everybody to go to bed at 10 so so that like 
we could all wake up fresh the next day and now no one has an excuse everybody has to go <laughs> go to bed at 10 <laughs> I'm like oh what a shame oh I couldn't agree more I think I think restrictions have actually worked very well for my life yeah, <laughs> <So>. me too <laughs> I secretly enjoy it yeah <laughs> so yeah um so yeah what made you start your business um what was the gap in the market regarding um the fitness and well-being and pure that you're merging and providing to your clients well I was working so I moved specifically to an agency once I kind of got that interest in fitness and well-being to focus on those kind of clients so at the time I was focusing on active wear uh, so I worked with some brands like the Australian brand Lorna Jane and also I've worked with power plates, uh, the um, vibration uh, device that you find in gyms. And so I worked with a bunch of fitness clients for about a year at this agency. And as I was doing that at the same time, I was going myself to some brand fitness events kind of that I started as, uh, my Instagram up a little bit. It's not it's not huge, but I did get invited to a few um, kind of fitness classes for different brands where I'd meet journalists, influencers, etc. So I kind of developed my own network in that space, as well as like meeting the brands in the fitness space in London. And so when I realized that I had a few brands coming to me because I would speak about PR on my Instagram, they were um, thinking that I was a freelancer and wanting to work with me specifically. But then I try and bring them into my agency And because I didn't have sole control over the process and agency fees are a lot higher than a freelancer. And I just felt like I was losing out on working with the brands that I really wanted to work with, which were the really exciting, um, smaller, up and coming, independent brands, whether that's a boutique studio or an activewear brand uh, or a CBD brand, et cetera. Um, And I felt like I couldn't, there was something missing like I couldn't quite work with the brand that with the brands I really wanted to so as um one brand which I will actually mention which is called Contour so it's a um sustainable activewear brand uh, so it's been around for a couple of years and it's based in Manchester she the founder of that was the most lovely and hype woman uh woman ever and she really inspired me to she said I'll be behind you if you go off on your own I'll be your first client and because I knew I only really needed I think doing the calculations uh financially I only needed a couple to kind of make what I was making in my original agency job I that that's felt like okay I only need one more I can do that So I started placing myself, I mean, I charge a lot less than an agency and they know exactly who they're working with and I can just work on the specific aspects that I'm good at and use my network to, um, in terms of press, influences, et cetera, to help those smaller brands. And so that was the gap, I guess. Uh, It was the kind of smaller brands that couldn't afford agency fees and the... Uh, what is it the um oh notice periods that's what I'm trying to say um so I just offer 30 days if they want to stop whereas an agency it's often up to six months that you have to keep paying if you decide you want to stop so it feels more risky to those smaller brands 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like everyone that I've been talking to that have been starting their own businesses, they, I feel like they had that gap in the market, the opportunity, um, because they were able to offer lower prices compared to agencies or other companies. And also you're more flexible in if it's a shorter term or um, they need to sort of cut after a month or so because people are in much tighter budgets. Um, so I think that that definitely provides such a great gap in the market for, for small businesses to yeah. work. I think with more freelance individuals yeah definitely and especially in the fitness space because it's such a popular and kind of trendy area where everybody is now focusing I mean every business has to focus on health now even the most corporate businesses are having to put more focus on mental health of their employees and I think all of these different tech startups and fitness brands and uh, trainers and things they all need publicity in a sense to compete with the other bigger brands that you get that have all this money and if there's no one that's kind of helping them who has the I mean I just had the network where if I send a few emails to a few journalists at women's health uh, evening standard etc that can really help these smaller brands get the publicity that they need and they don't want to be forking out I mean, they can't compete with the big brands if they're having to pay agency prices. Exactly, exactly. So um, you talk a lot about how you're combining fitness, well-being and PR. Can you explain how you sort of deliver that combined services to your clients? Are you mainly focused on fitness brands um, or can you explain that a bit more or elaborate on that? Yeah, of course. Um, so I work specifically with fitness and well-being brands. So at the moment and over the last year, I've worked with uh, boutique studios, so uh, yoga gy- yoga studios, gyms, Pilates instructors, etc., um, and also CBD brands, uh, skincare for people who work out, activewear. Um, so I just focus specifically on that space. Um, it makes it a lot easier because I have the knowledge of that area and also all of my contacts I mean I'm not having to make lots of different contacts all across like jewelry and other uh, areas Um, and then what I offer the clients is PR can be very broad as I'm sure you know I mean obviously you can even incorporate uh, digital marketing influencer work and everything into that but I try to focus specifically on the strengths that I have which is from the network so I do press pitching so if they've got new products or uh, so like new launches or big news um, etc I can kind of pitch that out to journalists so it involves um, I mean at the moment there's 2021 fitness trends so it's looking at what people in the media are writing about and then thinking okay they're going to be writing articles about this so this is what I need to send them so I've got obviously um, CBD, so cannabis oil is really popular as like a natural remedy for uh, anxiety, which has been really big over COVID. So it's thinking like that and reacting and then sending those products and that brand out to the media so that they have the option to feature it. So that's the press side. And then I also offer um, influencer work. So that's I mean, it's quite basic from just gifting products to um, the kind of key influencers that represent the brand's uh, kind of consumer, target consumers, and then also brand partnerships. So if uh, 
a brand that I look after wants to host an Instagram competition with another um, brand to kind of further their reach or if they want to be stocked in a gym, like if it's an activewear brand that wants to be stocked in a gym um, to gain more visibility, then I obviously will help. It's basically being the middleman and networking and speaking to um, speaking to lots of people on behalf of the brand that I work with. Yeah, I think that's great that you've niched particularly the the sort of companies that you want to work with and that you feel passionate about because that makes what you do so much easier. Instead of being a broad PR company, you're focusing on one segment of the market um, and that can be really important. So I think that's great that you focus on that. It's actually been really useful in terms of gaining a reputation. Like a lot of the clients I work with have been through word of mouth just because if it is in the same area, a lot of the time, if you do something well for someone, they're going to recommend you to their friend who's also starting a business or their friend who works at this gym who can put you forward. So that's been really useful. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Um, so another question I have for you is obviously this year or the past year has been completely up and down um, with lockdowns and restrictions, how would you advise or how have you been coping, um, sort of staying focused and following your dreams during the crazy year of 2020? Um, one thing I actually did was, which um, I haven't thought about, I f- kind of forgot I did this because it was um, middle of last year, was I actually used the time to focus on a goal that I'd wanted to do for a few years, but I'd never found the time to do. So because I had more time on my hands in lockdown, I did a personal training course, uh, which I always wanted to do, but I could never really fit it in around work. But because I wasn't going out, I wasn't commuting, I wasn't really doing anything on the weekends, I had so much more time. Um, So one thing is kind of using the time rather than kind of thinking, oh my God, this, I have no I have nothing to do I can't do anything because of lockdown and COVID it was actually thinking what can I do that will make me feel like I've made a good use of this time and now it makes me a lot more um, credible to journalists and brands just because I have the knowledge and the qualifications of kind of that come behind health and fitness and that area Um, and then another thing was I actually moved to Portugal for most of the year so that wasn't necessarily on purpose or to avoid lockdown but my family uh, live here some of the year and so for some reason I've ended up here for a lot longer than I anticipated but it means that I'm able to get outdoors a lot more um, and that's been really really great for mental health and everything um, but yeah in terms of following your dreams and staying focused I would say that um setting smaller goals and larger goals are a really good way to kind of think about where you want to get and what you want to do in the future and in terms of setting goals I would say looking okay what do I want to do after lockdown and what do I want to how do I want to use this time and what do I want to do when this is all over so rather I was saying to someone the other day that rather than um uh trying to do everything and think of everything you want to do um set long-term short-term and then medium-term goals so what can I do this week this month and what's realistic and achievable 
And then what do I want to do? Be Where do I want to be in a year? Do I want to be in this country? Do I want to be in this job? So kind of setting setting your goals, but making sure you set small goals as well as the big ones so that you have something to focus on. Oh, that's so important. I couldn't agree more because I feel like if you I don't keep know focusing if I went on off. larger goals, it feels so overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't know if I went off track there. I was just had so many things. <laughs> no. no, 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 not at all. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, what has been some of your key learnings with your startup business? Um, and what advice can you give to other women trying to start their business? Um, my dad actually said to me before I started, he has had his own business and sold it. And he's obviously, I probably get a lot of my ambition from him and I'm always trying to impress him, uh, even though I don't. I don't realize it and then I'm like look what I'm doing but um one of the things he said was that when you do start your own business that none of your time will be your own anymore so when you work for a company you clock in and clock out so you you know so I mean it depends how invested but a lot of people go nine to five and then they're like cool I'm done um and he was like you'll be working all hours of the day you know people are going to try and contact you at 7 p.m and you can't really do anything about that because that's the choice you're making and it is true like I do find that I'm always thinking about it but one thing I've actually noticed is that's not a negative thing because I'm everything that I'm doing is stuff I want to be doing I can't stop thinking about it because it's my own business and I want to progress it and see where else I can go with it and I think when you're doing loads of work and working overtime for someone else you don't feel the benefit and it's frustrating whereas I think when it's for you the more you work the more business your business grows and the more successful you become and so I think that's actually a really positive thing rather than what it seemed negative before I started if that makes sense um oh yeah and the other thing was just that you don't need to have a hundred percent experience before you go because I only worked in PR for a couple of years before thinking you know what I can actually just do this myself and I read a quote the other day I think which was you know half the people um, who are in those big positions that you kind of aspire to be don't have half the experience that some other people do but the thing is that makes them different is that they actually made the jump and they actually went for it whereas I think um, you people always think they need to do this qualification this exam get to this title before they can get to kind of where they want to be but actually all it takes is being like okay I'm just gonna give it a go and if it doesn't work out I'll just do something else so I think that's definitely important 100% I also read a quote the other day that was like I think the killer of small businesses is self-doubt because if you don't doubt yourself and you just go for it um, you know you actually uh, find your niche and develop it as you go and like you say you don't need to be perfect you just need to get started somewhere I definitely agree I actually uh, wrote a bit about for a for a magazine last year I wrote about imposter syndrome and Mm -hmm. I'm constantly you know you think oh god like why am I doing this like why not someone else like are people gonna suddenly I mean imposter syndrome is that you suddenly think that everybody's gonna realize that you're a fraud and that you don't know enough and I think you think that you you think oh gosh why me why am I doing this do I really know what I'm doing is everyone gonna realize that I don't know what I'm doing but every nobody knows what they're doing until they do it and so every person that starts something new 
um, is going to feel like an imposter because, I mean, no one knows what they're doing when they start something new, but it's just getting there and getting that experience and getting the confidence. And um, But yeah, I think that's one of the biggest um, kind of things that makes people give up and fail and fail I guess is because they feel like they can't do it and they give in to that but actually everybody can do it and everybody starts somewhere yeah I couldn't agree more I think that's also part of why I wanted to start this podcast is to help motivate people and um, help inspire people and, and just connect with people around the world sort of building their dreams and and going through the ups and downs and just being honest and having an honest communication or, or channel to to talk about that you know so that people know they're not alone and then everyone's going through that journey and, and it's okay to not really know what you're doing we're all here in support for each other to succeed yeah I think if any time is a good time to start your own business I think it's actually now because everything's up in the air and a lot of people have lost their jobs but there's also a lot of room for I mean people at home they have a lot more time so yeah hopefully people can get inspired to um to start their own thing definitely um I I hope I think a lot of more people will be doing their their own startups and businesses especially now with 2021 and people sort of relooking what they can do for the new year so definitely excited to see all the innovative ideas popping up yeah I think it's important as well for people to just speak to others as well and not feel like they have to do everything on their own I think if you've got someone that you in a close circle or at work or something that you admire or that's doing something that you want to be doing I think using your network is one of the best things uh, you can do in terms of finding opportunities or um getting the advice or the confidence you need to go ahead um one thing I did actually when I first left my job was I actually just found uh a couple of people on Instagram who did the same I just typed in wellness PR and found um a girl that was doing the same thing as me um but she'd obviously been doing it for a couple of years uh longer and she's a year older than me but I just reached out to her on there we went for coffee and now we still speak every day about just to kind of have someone who's also kind of working in the freelance PR space to bounce ideas off each other because we obviously don't have an office with lots of people in it so that was just I mean sometimes just reaching out to strangers on Instagram can work out really well (laughs) oh yeah I actually found someone that I'm also talking to now on a regular basis and we're working on collaboration ideas and projects and I found her through Instagram Um, and I've actually found a lot of cool people through Instagram that I now you know meet often and talk and share business ideas and even if it's just a quick coffee and it's such a good way just to stay motivated and and stay inspired Um, because a lot of people are saying that yeah working from home or working alone is not always that easy because you sometimes miss bouncing ideas um, and talking to other people to sort of keep you going so that's definitely a great way to reach out and um, continue to grow and stay motivated. That's one of the reasons that I actually find it okay working from home because a lot of people were like, oh gosh, I couldn't do that. Like I need to be in an office. I need to be with people. And I think, God, I need to work from home so that I have a break because a lot of the job is networking and going out and meeting people. And I meet a lot of clients and things through Instagram and people in I mean, you're constantly speaking to and meeting people in uh, the industry. And so I like working in an office was actually draining for me because I was constantly um, on, I guess, with 
uh, trying to put on my best self for all these meetings and events and things and then when I was in the office I or at my computer I literally just wanted to be alone and in silence and working in an office where someone's like oh can you do this or can we have this meeting I was like oh my god I actually can't do this way of working (laughs) (laughs) yeah I have heard a lot of introverts saying that that COVID's been great (laughs) you know it also definitely helps you be more focused 100% because you can sit at your desk and someone could come chat to you for a minute and then you're like distracted for five to ten minutes and you have to try to get back into what you were doing yeah I think actually um it's been really interesting to learn more about uh yourself at this like during COVID because I've suddenly especially in this year that I've gone to work for myself realized that all my energy that was being drained isn't because I'm necessarily a full-on introvert but because my recharging comes from uh, being alone so that's the introverted side of me but then the job is the extroverted side where you're constantly um, trying to be on and trying to have lots of energy for uh, your meetings your events your um well all of that side of the job so then you suddenly realize oh that's why I was so exhausted after a working week because my introverted side needed to be alone (laughs) in the week so (laughs) yeah it's definitely been good for my personality I think oh for sure I think for a lot of people we've realized we do need that recharge time because it's always go 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 and travel and rush and do things and and COVID in general I think has taught people to sit back self-discover self-learn um you know um and just spend more time with yourself as well so it's it's been a, a good and a bad year I think for a lot of people depends on if you were able to see it in a positive light yeah Well, positive reframing is always a good thing, I think, especially this year. I think the people that can kind of take the good out of the year will, I mean, you can't sit around and be upset. I mean, you can't do anything about it. So the only way you can kind of look for the positives and feel good about the situation is to focus on what slowing down is good for everybody, you know? Mm. 100% so speaking about surviving um, how do you implement your fitness and wellness into your own personal routine to stay motivated and focused? Um, Well as I mentioned in the beginning I guess it's really important for me to uh, kind of have a fitness like a workout routine have a bedtime routine self-care routine etc just to kind of I mean I you put so much energy into my days that if I'm not getting sleep and if I'm not taking time out for myself, then I'm not going to be able to perform at all. Um, and that's definitely been something I've learned through the past like in terms of managing anxiety and energy levels and things. Um, so in terms of, I mean, I make sure to kind of put fitness into my week, at least like I work out maybe like four or five times a week. Um, just to make sure I mean at in the day I actually find it really hard to stop working because I'm constantly thinking about what I need to do next so if I work out in the middle of the day it means that I take a proper two hours I could do the workout have a shower have lunch and then I actually feel like I've had a break so that's really um, important to me and often when I'm feeling the most kind of oh I'm not in the mood is actually the time that I should do it because then you're suddenly motivated and invigorated again to go um and then also prioritizing sleep because I 
get my most anxious and overwhelmed when I am tired and I can't work and I can't uh, think. (laughs) So sleep is really important. And if I don't get enough sleep, then I wouldn't be able to really do what I'm doing. I think you need to make sure you're prioritizing sleep, fitness, well-being, even having putting on a face mask, like putting on a candle, just making sure that your space is clean. And I think anything like that will kind of set you up for success. And also take, uh, writing to-do lists and making sure I'm always organized because that really helps with kind of stress. That's definitely every night I'll make sure that I've written my to-do list for the next day so then I can completely switch off. Because I think otherwise you spend the whole night thinking, oh, God, I need to do this thing. And have I remembered that? Or I hope I don't forget this in the morning. So I think always writing a weekly plan and then a daily plan is uh, important. Yeah, I've recently started to use Google Calendar more and add tasks and alarms for myself with notifications so that I remember to do everything I'm supposed to in the day. Um, So that can be useful as well. But um, I, I recently also started putting my phone um, from like 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. the next morning, like zero notifications so that I can just unwind and relax. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah. I think especially... It's... Oh, no, carry on. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that um, also it's finding what works for you because I had a friend that would write everything in her... Um, she was like addicted to her iPhone calendar and would write everything in there. And... Um, that actually really worked for her because it made her feel really at ease and she had everything she needed to remember whereas I like think because I stare at computers all day I am very like I love the traditional writing to-do list on paper and having like handwritten diaries so I'll write everything with a pen and just have it in a book in a diary and then that works for me so I think it's just finding the ways that make you feel most organized and what yeah what works for you Oh, yeah. I think I do both. I do the Google Calendar and then I make notes because I love writing as well. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to forget how to write soon because we have no reason to. (laughs) Exactly. But I feel like you somehow etch things better into your memory and your mind when you're writing them down rather than typing. I agree. Maybe that's just me. (laughs) No, I agree. Every time I had to revise for exams, I would use like, I mean, it's not good for the environment, but pads and pads of paper um just because I'd have to rewrite everything like three times <laughs> exactly it does something for your memory for sure so um yeah so let's talk about um when you recommend people or brands that you work with to connect with influencers what are some of the key trends you have seen and what are your working methods regarding influencers um with influencers I would say that you get the most trust when you kind of create that connection yourself and for me in the past as I mentioned that I went to quite a few events where I'd meet a lot of influencers kind of on a um personal basis rather than me contacting them or me being the host of the event it was more like we were all there together it made it a lot easier when I came to kind of um reach out myself for work to have their trust like to get the responses and obviously that's not easy for everybody because not everybody is invited to these events or but I really do think it's putting yourself out there and finding I mean the only reason I was invited to these events was I started contacting brands actually and being like if you have an event on like I'd love to come and I think 
I mean, when I worked at agencies doing internships, they made it really, uh, you know, going to events and finding events to go to in the industry was quite an important part of of that work. And so I think doing doing that meeting influencers um, and brands in person meant that when I was going to um, reach out to them, I knew exactly what kind of things they were interested in. I knew more about their personality and I knew them on a personal level, which obviously made my life a lot easier when trying to get work for the brands that I was working with. So that was probably my top tip, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think um, that personal connection really helps so much, whether you're it's with the brand and all the influencers. That's the best way to sort of build that longevity relationship, um, which is more beneficial, I think, than the short term activations. Yeah, exactly. It's really hard there because I understand from a brand's point of view that they don't necessarily want to be forking out these huge fees, which obviously it's getting more and more expensive to work with influencers. But then I also understand from the influencer side that they it's their job and you can't kind of make them do things for free when it's I mean, it's different if they're starting out and they kind of need to build their portfolio. But I think it is it's a tough one in terms of you don't want to just because I know someone I don't want to ask them to do it for free because it's it's their job and that would be slightly offensive probably but at the same time it should be beneficial to know people because it's it makes them more like it makes them more likely to kind of work with you and your brand so yeah it's kind of finding a balance in terms of pleasing the brand and pleasing the influencer like it's quite a tough uh space I think I don't know what you how you feel about it is no 100% I've often had brands that didn't really understand or respect the influencers um, or influencers that were like so set on on certain sort of deliverables Um, so it can sometimes be tough but that's I think why it's important for people who are in the roles of of you and me where we are that mediator and we we guide the brands to work with influencers that will align with them well so there's not too much complications during the process because you've already vetted that they're a good match for the brand Um, and then obviously I think being very clear from the get-go if the brand has zero money that it's only product seeding and very quickly the influencer can be like no actually only paid and then you can very quickly go back and be like okay well these are the rates if you really want to work with them this is what you need to do so I just think at the end of the day it's about clear communication and setting the expectation on both sides so that no one's confused about the deliverables and what they'll be getting yeah that makes sense yeah, cool. So thank you so much for answering all my questions. It's great to hear how you started and how you made your dream business come to life. So I'll give the show over to you now to ask me some digital marketing questions. <laughs> thank you. Um, well, actually, I thought about these ones that I'm genuinely interested in knowing the answer to because often my job is, uh, part of it is influencer uh, marketing or working with brands to find the right influencers. And I wanted to get your opinion on how you choose the right channels or the right influencers. So by channels, I'm talking about YouTube, Instagram, etc. Okay, cool. So normally, I think because I'm more on the strategy side, I would go sort of analyze the brand and where their strong points and weak points are, and then do a bit of market research into who their customers are. So say, for instance, you're working with a brand and their strong channels are Facebook and Instagram, and they're fairly weak on YouTube. 
is part of the goal to work with an influencer to help create better content for their YouTube, then you obviously need to find people who are stronger on YouTube. Um, so again, it depends on what the deliverables of the brand would be. And then, so that's one way to go about it. Or another way you can go about it is be like, okay, the brand has all these channels, but actually some of their clientele would be on TikTok. So we're going to use the influencer collaboration to work with influencers who are visible on TikTok because we don't want to build a brand channel for TikTok, but we can utilize the influencers to be visible there. So again, it depends on where you're trying to create the visibility, what your KPIs are at the end of the day, and then understanding the audience and developing then what channels you should be working on with your influencers to create better sort of content or activation goals, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does make sense. Um, so in terms of, um, so obviously one of the hardest things um, I get from brands is, or oh, how do I see the return on investment? And I think with PR and social media it can be hard unless you're getting direct like an obvious stream of sales from one activation how do you measure the success of uh, social media marketing sure so yeah that can get very complicated so normally when I try to measure success of the social media marketing I think the first question to ask is what are you trying to measure are you trying to achieve engagement reach or sales and is it a bit of both and then for instance you'd have your calendar plan for the month and then after each month I think it's good to go look at okay this post did really well for reach but not so well for my sales this post did really well for my sales um, so, and this, you start vetting every month, what content is helping you reach certain goals. Um, so, but measuring success of it, it all depends on what your goals are. Cause a lot of brands initially first you launch, you want the, the reach and the awareness. Then what is your phase two? What are you trying to measure in phase two? Is it, um, obviously then driving sales or driving signups. So having a clear goal in each quarter and then knowing what you're measuring is very important. And then obviously you have all the different measuring tools you can use, but a lot of them you'd have to pay a monthly fee. So if you're not paying a monthly fee, I would advise that um, you definitely tap into your Google business and make sure your Google Analytics is set up properly because that could be a really good useful tool for you to understand how people are finding you. Um, do you, and what is your strongest point? Do you yeah. find that um, the media, the kind of, uh, what are they called? Um, you know, influencers make their own kind of media pack of their all their statistics and their engagement. Do you find those useful when looking for influencers? Because I think sometimes you think, oh, this person's going to get so many um, followers for my brand. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we paid them and they did not create any conversions yeah so that that's actually an interesting topic because I feel like a lot of brands these days are setting KPIs with each influencer so then it should be clearly stated within the contract normally that the influencer needs to hit those certain KPIs um, and it's then on the influencer's sort of um, responsibility then do they want to drive ads or what are they going to do to actually make sure they hit the KPI or expectation that the brand has set um, but yeah that is a tricky one so I know the media kits might be useful if you're trying to figure out who their followers are and all of that 
Um, but I think, it, again, it's a collaborative attempt, right? If a brand is working with an influencer to achieve X amount of sales, it needs to be uh, a collaborative sort of attempt. The brand can be like, okay, cool. If you post here, you reshare, we're going to do a giveaway. We'll boost the ads on our side and let's see if we can together then reach X amount of sales. Because um, it, it's, you know, stressful for a lot of care. While they don't always um, have the KPI or the analytics capabilities, they do know they want to work with a brand. So I think it's important for brands as well to educate KOL very clearly um, and help them through the process so they can be more effective to them as a yeah. brand. Got it. It's so, so There's a lot to it, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, so much. So for much. Sure. But I, yeah, I definitely, um, I've had that issue before um, where obviously you work with KOL and then you don't necessarily get the engagement or you don't hit the expectation. Um, so that's why, again, communication and setting expectation from the beginning is very important. And I feel like a lot of brands also sometimes neglect to to educate influencers properly. And then how can you expect them to really deliver if you haven't been very clear on what you need or how you're trying to grow and sort of involve them more in your process as a brand? So it's definitely a two-way street. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I've worked with a few um, brands on a kind of influencer side of it. And I think it's interesting to see how different brands do it because, I, you know, you have some people who go, here's, here's the brief, this is what we want, and that's that. And I think, and then you, you create the content and you don't even get a thank you. And it's like, oh, my God, is that really, that's not the way to do it. And then I've had a brand where they'll involve you, they'll do like Zoom calls and involve you and give you a marketing, give you a brand um kind of education and everything and I think having those more kind of interactive um sessions with brands and influencers is actually really really useful because it means that the influencer then also feels more of a I think the more communication an influencer has with a brand maybe the more uh loyalty they have to that brand so they feel like they actually want to see the brand succeed and do as much as possible for them which I think is the best kind of relationship in my exactly exactly yeah I think more brands should view influence marketing as a partnership and a relationship rather than just an external source because the longevity and and the more positive you can make that experience uh, the better for that collaboration and the more authentic the content and the more clearer the influencer, like you said, the more excited they'd be to work with you. Um, so I, I do hope brands shift that a bit this this year and that influencers are also more, I think, educated on how to better help brands and, and hit certain KPIs because it definitely you know, it, it, the influencers also need to understand um, and be more flexible. I know a lot of influencers that I have spoken to that work with agents. I tend to avoid them because they cost ridiculous amounts. Yeah. Um, so it's also relooking budgets and understanding all of this, considering the current market situation. So, yeah, so many levels to influence marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to combine my two last questions just because they're kind of related. So I was going to ask um, what the biggest success that you've seen for some for any of your clients using influencer marketing, if you have a case study or example, but also what kind of channel you see the most return if there is such thing as kind of if there's a particular aspect that you see is most successful or uh creates the biggest return for your brands 
Sure. So uh, the first part of the question, um, I think for me, influencers are the most successful when you're trying to connect with your customers, build loyalty, and also plan localized activations. So for me, I think the biggest success that I saw when I was working with one of my international clients in Korea is we worked with a local influencer that really helped um, for local product education, and it really helped boost knowledge of the product in the particular market when we did a campaign with the influencer. So for me, I think the biggest win would be combining um, some element of your campaign or product with an influencer activation. Using that as a campaign can be a really good way to talk authentically to your audience. So that's where I've seen some really good wins and success. And then also, obviously, other areas is I think when brands do work with influencers that the content that they produce becomes so much more authentic and engaging um, that I think it should be part of everyone's content calendar in some way or form, however you can work it into your calendar um, that works within your budget. Um, and then I would say for the channel, um, I think there's no one winning method or one winning funnel. Um, I think that to answer that question, it's more about streamlining your consumer journey um, being able to read your analytics and understanding where your brand is winning most, like the 80-20 rule. Like if I'm putting a lot of effort on Facebook and Instagram and I go look at my results and you see, for instance, Instagram is driving more heavily to help my sales, I'm going to then decide to put less effort on my Facebook, focus more on my Instagram. So it's about managing your time and your effectiveness to get the results that you want. Thank you so much, Tori, for joining me on my first podcast for 2021 and your first podcast ever. It was great to talk with you and we appreciate you sharing your personal journey and story on how you started your fitness and wellness PR agency. Please do get in touch with Tori if you would like to know more about the services that she offers. I will link all her information in the episode details. Please do get in touch if you want to share your startup story on my podcast and help inspire other business startups or entrepreneurs out there looking to kickstart their business in 2021.